Hello, listeners, and welcome to Gotta Jabrew, the episode where two friends talk about two of our favorite things fish and beer. I am the Lizza. And I am the Kid. And that was Twist. Yeah. What show was that from? Uh, June 13th, 2010. Nice. 2010. Yeah. Good pick. Hershey Park. Good pick. Very cool. Yeah, it's a w- really interesting menu. Kind of weird. I've never been. I've only been to the theme park I went, where you get chocolate. I went in 2011, I think, um, Hershey Park. Uh, it was like a single show. It's I, a it's, venue they play commonly? Uh, yeah. Depends on where they play before. They're, you know, their contracts are weird like that. If they play in one area, they can't play in another area type thing. Yeah, I never got that. Yeah, it's weird with like Ticketmaster and fucking bullshit. Yeah, but it's part of like cracking the code of where they're going to play. Mm, sort of, yeah. Yeah, there's clues. There are clues for sure. Clues. But you, well, basically, if you know if they play one place, they can't play another place. Right, 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 right. Um, right. But at that point, you probably know the entire tour anyway. So. <laughs> yeah, for shiz. Um, so let's but, dive right yeah. into our first question because 2010 is a good place to start because that was... Something I wanted to chat about. So this question is from Eric Frank. I really like how you put where these people were from. That's cool. This is Facebook? Yeah, this is the Your Addicted chat. to Fish. Cool. Yeah. Um, I, I This is where I think the most, uh, and I don't want to be biased towards other fish groups, but the most interesting questions for me when I scroll my feed come out of this group. Nice. Very and cool. I, I didn't feel right not giving the people who asked the question props. Yeah, no, so I love it. I think I'm going to do that from now on and just who, who presented the question and, you know. Cool. But yeah. So Eric Frank says, uh, in your opinion, what's the best year not tour of the 3.0 era? So I said, if not 2010, then now. And I stick by that. Is 95 and 99 in 3.0? No way. 2.0. So what does 3.0 go from? Okay. So. That's why 2010 was my I'm answer. I'm probably going to get this wrong in terms of exact 2.0. 2.0 is where it gets weird. Um, 1.0 is from 88 or whenever you actually start counting till like 99, 2000. Then they go on hiatus. To 2000. Right. And then, then 2002 2000, to 2004 is 2.0. Correct. And then. 2009 to now to present so okay i have to say 2010 then that was my initial gut instinct if not 2010 then now most recent years but 95 and 99 are my favorite years of all time uh you mentioned two years so they both can't be your favorite year of all time but so i guess they're tied for your greatest year okay you're right i'm spiraling way out of control with this yeah eric frank (laughs) my favorite 3.0 year is 2010 what is yours the kid what is mine, the kid? Uh, favorite year of 2000 or uh, 3.0 is probably 2014. Nice. Cool. So, so why is 2010 your favorite year? Oh, I'd really just talk about now because I really do like to. I just find myself gravitating to shows in 2010 because it's early 3.0 and I think maybe that's what it is. Um, okay. But I, lo- I listen to a lot of shows from now. I know an argument that J3PO has often is that uh, the beginning of 2010, uh, you can tell that because of the long hiatus that they seemed more refined and things kind of got more uh, cohesive. Um, And I could see that side of the argument real quick, um, especially coming off of, you know, a massive hiatus 
and people seeing them again and like them practicing a lot to get ready for the tour um yeah i'm sure that's true i just have no reference point for and for that. someone who like like him who has been seeing fish through all its phases i could definitely understand his perspective so now me the guy who comes in at uh 2011 is when i start seeing you know really start seeing fish um 2014 ends up being the year that i pick because of what happens in 2014 take you to october 31st 2014 do you know what happens on October 31st, 2014? Uh, Vegas? Uh, you know what? I didn't even see where they played, but yes, it is Vegas. Yeah. God, I'm nice, good. Nice. I'm better nice. than you. But what happens on, on Halloween, notoriously at Fish Shows? They do covers. Right. They do cover albums. Correct. So for this year... They decided that they were going to do all music from the Disney's Haunted House. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? I'm going to pull some of that up for you? Air, scary, hairy, something, something. It's, it's a old school like vinyl that like I haven't, it's way beyond my time. I'm too young for that shit. But uh, there was like sounds from. You are a bold and courageous person. Afraid of nothing. High on a hilltop near your home, there stands a dilapidated old mansion. Some say the place is haunted, but you don't believe in such myths. One dark and stormy night, a light appears in the topmost window in the tower of the old house. You decide to investigate, and you never return. Do you remember watching this show? You probably don't because no. you fell asleep through all of it. We were couch touring. Yeah. It was fantastic. I watched it with sparkles in my eyes and you were snoring on the couch next to me. <laughs> At so this is funny that this couch. is your favorite moment of 3.0. And it, it's easily explainable why. Um, other than all like the Disney like, you know, shit from this vinyl that apparently existed back in the day that people used to listen to. Um, it is to me the point where they decide that they're going to do something funky and awesome that they haven't really done yet. And, you know, they basically took an entire work and made it into their own and in doing so made probably some of the funkiest songs that I've ever heard them play. And now anytime they sprinkle any of this into any set, I'm immediately energized and pumped up and like kind of flip my shit. Yep. So I agree with everything you're saying. The only Halloween show that I've ever been to, they covered themselves and played all of Fuego. So you can imagine uh, <laughs> finally getting a Halloween show and then getting them covering themselves when, you know, this type of shit happens. So. But, but all of this music was new composition from Fish, so it's technically the same thing. You were seeing them, quote unquote, cover a sort of like... It's like it's like a read along book or something, and they made they made full songs out of all the intros. So you're kind of yeah, seeing they, the they, same thing. They use sound. It's bites. new. No, but they use sound bites. But people in the audience at the show would have been like, "What the fuck is going on?" 
Right. It's not it's a cover still, of an album that anybody would know. And the music was original. Right. But I would I would argue that it's still better than seeing them cover themselves and no one kind of knew what was going on. And only like the superficial nerds kind of knew what was going on. And it was like one or two songs. But then once we started realizing it, we didn't really know what to do with it because it didn't exist. This is topical to people who are old enough to understand it. And even for the people who are not, they can still go back and have something to reference to. Like, again, I... I, I think that the a that's why it was better than the halloween that i got but b i also think that that's why it showed an interesting side to them that people who have been seeing them forever knew they uh, existed but for me it was the first time that i got to hear something like this because clearly i had to listen to it after because i did fall asleep on that couch tour (sighs) um but it's something weird and cool and awesome that's kind of on the edge of like secret set at a festival but kind of not yeah. So it's like cool. Uh, I don't know. It's just so this was 2014. Yeah, October 31st, 2014. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So this was right smack dab in between me seeing fish for my first time and then going to the first New Year's round I went to. Yeah, and I mean for me, I'm like 50 shows in at this point. I'm pretty seasoned, and again, I I, I didn't make it through the the couch tour. For the record, couch touring is for a certain type of person. It's not for me. The only thing I like about couch surfing is the full access to the bathroom. But other than that, and I guess not having to worry about paying $12 for a beer, but um, I don't know, man. I can't do couch tours. Yeah. It's not the same. I think your answer is perfect. About I wish I came up with it. What? The 2014, the Halloween show? Yeah, the show? Halloween show. Because I remember <laughs> it and I was really blown away by it. Yeah, they dressed I, up. Do, they painted do, their faces in skeletons yeah. and they dressed up in tuxedos. It was very visual. Yeah. And that's just why I'm poking funny about falling asleep because the music, no one knew, but it was very, they were doing a lot of like stage direction and like there was like uh, l- buildings that were kind of like made of flats and stuff and there was like lighting and smoke. So there's a lot of visuals to Yeah, it. but like, so I remember, uh, do you remember, do you remember this one? Hold on one second. Remember this guy? Yeah. So... It's funny because this song starts playing and it's pretty funny because the only cat I know is your cat. Mm -hmm. So like this song starts playing and I immediately just start thinking (laughs) you think of your cat when, you know, and for those of you don't know, the Lizza has a really cute cat named Nico um, and he's like a dog cat. And uh, when you like go approach him, he rolls on his back and goes on his tummy. And I just picture like walking up to pet him, and then one day he just snaps and goes fucking crazy. And instead of going crazy in the song, getting all like hectic and whatever, it gets funky as fuck. Yeah, this it's, is super awesome. Yeah, this song is fucking. I. It's like this or Martian um, Monster with your trip is short. It's like these two songs immediately get me fucking grooving it can come after waiting in the velvet sea which we like we're making fun of the other day but like it can come after anything and i'm immediately back into the set i just really want to start fucking dancing and getting weird and these sound bites on fucking pages nord are fucking cool as shit <laughs> yeah the samples yeah, yeah I, I do i do samples. like the sampling yeah, yeah i like the so sampling. it's again it's yeah, fish yeah, at yeah. their best it's being yeah. like doodly it's like using yeah. shit that's there it's like 
you know, making something their own, and yeah. it's the cow funk, which we clearly have started to establish that that's my favorite type of fish, which is why 97 and 98, if we were going to have that 1.0 conversation, those would be my two years that I would fight for first place, but that's a different conversation for a different day. Can we look at uh, a show that I stumbled upon the other day? Sure. I, so I really, I don't know, people discredit me because I'm a new fish fan, and I'm obviously going to say that I think they're their best now, and I say that often, and I have zero credibility, but I really do think that fish has done a lot of great things 3.0, and particularly now is like hitting a very awesome stride. I talked about this earlier in an episode where they, they're really figuring out how to dial in the structure of the songs they play in the orders they play them. So the show I stumbled upon the other day was 9-1-2017 at Dick's. So last year at Dick's. 9-1-2017 you said. Yeah. And then the second set particularly is fantastic. And it definitely is because it's like a bunch of songs I love strung together, but the jams are really cool and they take it out for a ride. And like I told you, I listen to fish all the time, so I'm never like paying attention to what's going on. But if I'm like hearing something, I'm like, whoa, what is this? Like, and it gets me to like go over to my phone and look (laughs) like it's a big deal. Yeah, this is such a you fucking show. It's like fucking just read the second set. So read the second set. Second set. Sorry. No no man in no man's land. Karini, Ghost, Harry Hood, Cavern. Five song second set. Yeah, right so, so can you read them slower? <laughs> no man, no man, in, in no man's land is which what is they a open jam up chart worthy song. Yeah, they jam to shit on that. Twenty four awesome. minutes long. It's awesome. It's really good. The Karini is twenty one minutes long. So right. It's so also if you if you hate worthy. no man and no man's land, skip to the Karini and go from there. So it's Karini. Karini's gonna get you. Ghost? Does it go into Ghost? Ghost, Harry Hood, Harry Cavern. Hood, and Cavern. Yeah, and the end of that Ghost, like the jam in that Ghost, is really fucking cool. And Carini too, dude. They start doing yeah. crazy shit in Carini. They're like Carini, Carini, Carini. Like they try, they're like they do the, the voices where they're like a broken record kind of like towards the end. That Carini is a really fucking good Carini. They start layering their voices over each other, like Carini, Carini, like it's cool. To get into a fat jam. Yeah. Um. But I, I'm, I'm now a little. Uh, you lost me in your train of thought, kind of, because you're telling me that now. So is it 2010 or now? Is is I guess what I'm trying to say. Where are you at with this? Because now. You're more leaning towards now. 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 Meow. Yeah. <laughs> what is that song called with the cat? Uh, Your Pet Cat. Your Pet Cat. I knew it was something very obvious. They're all very obvious. Like dogs. Dogs. Like they're all Dogs stole obvious. things. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So now, I don't know. And I think that's a dumb answer and I like your answer better than mine, but I listen to a lot of shows from now and um, I just constantly find myself like finding these little gems in them and I really enjoy it. Word. I think part of going back and listening to the older songs on Fish OD is that they're so poorly recorded and I have a really hard time listening to really poorly recorded music. I do too. So again, it's all about the scope and your experience and how long you've been into them. And I'm sure, you know, what they're doing now doesn't really compare to the moments that have happened in, in fish history. It's really funny. I texted J3P the other day about uh, the Golden Jinteka because I knew that was like a big time thing. Golden Age into... Bathtub gin and cementica. 
Golden Jinteka. Yeah, fan, fans call it. <laughs> well, yeah. that's what fans call it. Golden Jinteka. That was 2011. If you're curious. Oh, word. Okay. So it's um, a lot. Of, it's a lot of years to explore, man. 3.0 yeah, is vast. So J3PO got me on to doing it, and I've tried. I've been going back very slowly. I tried to do one a week, uh, an older show, to work my way towards now. Um, and as a AV guy and a musician, it's really hard for me to listen to those early episodes just because of the quality. It's, it's, it's rough. All right. So let's move on to, uh, Greg Atchel. Atchel. I hope I say your last name right because no one ever says mine right. And I would love to not butcher names too badly. What is your favorite <laughs> non fish song? Um, to me, when this question is being asked, I think of the song that if I was pulling into a fish lot that wasn't fish, what would be playing? Is, is I think the better way to conceptualize this song, because I mean, no, I think it's just fishing for people to talk about other music. Yeah, yeah. I think it's just to see what other people, you know, some people. The thing about fish and them being so across genres is that you can find somebody who's a fish fan who probably just likes their bluegrass shit. Hates all the funky shit. No way. I bet you there no are. Way. I bet you there are. And they only like country music. And then there are people like me where I'm like, I only like the funk music and I'm really into the funk. And then that's why I hate the bluegrass music. And that's why I hate, you know, um, the cheesy music. You know, I'm I, I'm just at a pocket fish fan kind of. Um, but to me, uh, 1999 is a song that I want to play rolling into a, a lot that's not a fish song. Prince? Yeah. Yeah, but fish has covered that. It's been so good. I know. So you, your answer is basically Prince, all Prince, the all Prince, the music that I would fish say listen to Prince nineteen ninety nine or James Brown tune. It doesn't really matter. Like something funky that's also like in the, in the realm of my pocket where I like fish for you know the reasons I like fish. But yeah, Prince nineteen ninety nine is a song that sticks in my brain. Um, I hate questions like this because honestly, I love all music except country, and the only thing I listen to is fish. <laughs> and I want to listen to Fish Before so, Show more than anything because about, I want to get myself amped up for this show. I would also. So the answer to this question is <laughs> Fish is life. This is a dumb question. But if you had to put a gun to my head, I said any Jack White song where he references redheads. <laughs> that'll get me amped up for this show. Yeah. Yes. I don't know what you're talking about because I'm musically in I know. To get out of, uh, yeah. Just, let's not go there. But pocket. I think it's a great answer. So. Um. Again, 1999, or um, I would say Off the Wall, Michael Jackson from Off the Wall. That bass part is insane and gets me pumped. <laughs> gets me ready for like Mike about to slap of the bass. That's me. Anyway, on to the next one. So, uh, Jameson Akers, the very moment that you die, what fish song is playing? Now, this is very important. To me as a as a question because i can immediately say my favorite fish song which we both know is free which is also very topical to yeah, me it's very, dying. that is very topical to me dying right yeah that seems like a perfect answer to that question but it's not but i don't i i'll i'll get into i want to know what yours is fluffhead dude oh my god but that's your favorite fish song isn't that kind of lame your favorite fish song is the last one you hear before you die why i feel like i can die when i get that song mine's martian monster your trip is short. Your trip is short. <laughs> That's so fucked up. <laughs> no one wants to die. Everybody wants to be here longer than they're allowed to be, and your trip is short. <laughs> and it's funky, it and it'll funky make you forget fun. about dying. Yeah, that's a good answer. 
I'm telling you, you can't just take these questions for face value. You actually got to give them some a little bit know, of thought. Yeah, let it re- like reverberate for. Uh, that's why I get us these questions as quickly as possible. Yeah, you know, we record either on Saturdays or on Mondays, depending on the week. Uh, I try to get them to us by like Sundays or Tuesdays. So that we have the whole time to kind of like flush them out and like keep asking. All of these questions are just putting very superficial parameters on things to get you to say a certain fish song. No, but they make you think about things uh, deeper than you probably would because, right? This is just a question that I'm scrolling through on my feed. So at face value, you you know, you, you, on Facebook you see a bunch of people reply to the comments, right? And then this sub conversation starts building off these questions that are being asked, and it's really funny based on what people respond, like where these sub like threads go and i think that's because certain people see it at face value and just say my favorite fish song of course blah and other people go well you know if i was dying this way and you know maybe uh you know maybe i had fuego maybe on fire maybe i'm dying slowly maybe i have cancer then maybe it's everything's right so just hold tight (laughs) i don't know it's a very it's morbid like, question. It's it's a it's a, and again you you can kind of get into it what you you know put into it. So it's like if you want to be like, hey, it's my favorite song. Fuck off. Like to me, it was just like, ah, oh, that's kind of actually really funny. What song would I want to be playing as I'm dying? Free sounds like very like you know, I'm seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, and I finally feel free from the burdens of life. Yeah, it's time, a very beautiful, like, positive way to look at it. That's what I'm saying. That's a good song. Right, but then at the same time, I was just like, what, what would I actually want to hear as the last fish song I could ever hear through my own ears? And it's Your Trip is Short, because A, it would get me cracking up, which would be fun about dying. Like, I'm laughing as I'm going out. And B, it's funky as shit, and it's the thing that to, that it like en- encapsulates fish to me. That song is, again, one of the reasons why 2014 is one of my favorite years. That song is also... Uh, a funky song which I love it and it came late so it's like everything I love about fish and reminding me that I can continue to love fish this is something that's a part of them it wasn't just a phase or something they just did for a little while this like cow funk thing it's like been around since 98 and will continue to go until they stop playing music so great I'll play it at your funeral <laughs> let's yeah. skip ahead can we skip ahead yeah, to yeah. Kyer Monahan? what's a great fish I just got the job song <laughs> I just sure. got a new job so I literally re- I, tweezer reprise is like the song I always put on when I need to get like fucking amped in like what like two minutes that song is short right mm. it's like a fucking punch you in the face so yeah. I always play that when something really good happens to me okay. but I also thought down with disease was a really good one too um I can this has all been wonderful <laughs> I'm on my way. Everything's right's been the song for me because I'm in a job that I don't like at all. I'm only doing it to pay the bills and it's the song that keeps me just everything's right. Just just hold tight because I'm holding tight towards getting my masters which will get me the job that I do want. Yeah, so it's a motivational so song for if, you. If you had to ask me what song is going to be playing when I do get that job, it is going to be free because I did just take off the shackles that was my <laughs> shitty ass fucking job and I am going to be free from a bullshit job that I hate and never want to go to again and I'm going to be splashing in a sea somewhere because I'm going on vacation and jumping in the ocean and being like, fuck this place, I'm out. I'm going to be that guy that walks around the office like, fuck Fuck you, fuck you, you're cool, I'm me. Yeah, I'm out. So free is the answer to that question for me, for sure. That's topical to like what my other job is bringing to my universe. Let's play a little, let's play a little Down With Disease. You want a little Down With Disease? Yeah, I haven't heard that song in a while. I like that song um, a lot. Ba-da-ba-da-da. 
It gets you right off the bat. <laughs> Play one from 2014, your favorite year. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's not like very like, hey, find this thing, this needle. Thank God for fucking the internet. I, don't know I also I really liked Magnaball. Magnaball was dope. Yeah, that was, I really enjoyed that experience. So what was that, 2016, 15, something like that? Yeah, yeah, it was around there. It was around there. I have to go pretty far back to find it. I mean, Down With Disease is one of those songs that's played quite frequently. Um, I'm trying to see if there's Isn't one. that and Harry Hood, two of the most, I guess it's definitely Down With Disease. No, and Wolfman's brother. Uh, I might have often. been at this one. Ooh. Uh, it was in Camden, New Jersey in June 24, 2010. Uh, I might not be. I don't think I was there yet. I don't think. I think my fish show came at the end of 2010. But um, this is a typical like new style um, fish show. Eight songs in the second set, 13 songs in the first set. And I definitely wasn't at this show because I've never gotten a bug before. And that's what they encored with. Yeah, I was just looking at this show. I was like, what the fuck is Bug? Yeah. Sure, we say that. People are like, what do you mean you don't know what Bug is? Fuck you! It's <laughs> just more I have to explore. Uh, yeah, I know. To uncover and undig. Again, it's one of the reasons. It's the best part. Yeah, it's one of the cool parts about being a new fish fan. Again, I almost feel like, you know, J3PO, while his knowledge is vast and deep and, you know, there's not a thing about fish I don't think he does know. Um... There's a beauty to the naivety that we have and like just being able to discover more and more shit. <laughs> and it's like just when I think I'm starting to get a hold on shit, I don't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, what do you know? I've actually started to try to listen to Mike more when I listen to Fish. Yeah, I can't do it. He's my least favorite singer in the band. No, no, I mean balls. playing the bass. I oh. tried to listen to his bass. Oh, good. Good, because his singing is fucking terrible. The bass. Yeah, his bass playing is, is... It's really funny. Bass players are always, like, undersold and underappreciated. They're like the, the dorks of the band, basically. Like, they're really important. Like, yeah, so you know, like when everybody, like when the, a big jam comes, like it's easy to hear what fish, uh, what uh, Trey is doing. It's easy to hear what Trey is doing, but like I actually now try to hone in and hear what Mike is doing as well. Him and him and uh, Fishman kind of dictate where songs are gonna go. From a, uh, obviously from a rhythm perspective, because they're both the rhythm section, but they basically are the texture and the bed. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of tumbling. Do. Like you get, it's like his his bass sounds like like it's sometimes it's really interesting. Yeah, and he can make it super poppy, and if he does, then like it's super staccato instead of like really legato, where the notes kind of run together. That's gonna impact how Trey is gonna noodle on top. So uh, uh, Those again, are fun words: staccato and legato. Yeah, staccato. Are those real? Yeah. I mean, I've heard staccato, staccato before. Staccato in, uh, in music is when you try to almost like tap something. Like if you were to physically tap something, it's like a very short and brief. Like da, 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 staccato. Huh. Legato is like uh ha, 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 like things kind of run as huh. close as they can into each Interesting. other. Interesting. That's really cool. Yeah. So cool. you enjoy myself. Would be like that do 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 the, the actual part that Trey's playing is staccato. Yeah. Um, 
then let's see what's a good legato. I don't know. This is cool though. Yeah, it's really cool. <laughs> Interesting. I've never I've never been able to use the terminology correctly, so now I won't be able to. <laughs> That's well, your man. little, you know, your little music appreciation of the day. Yeah, I like that this is where that this is where that goes. <laughs> I learn more about music and you learn more about beer. Um speaking of beer, how long yeah. have we been doing this section? Does anybody know? <laughs> it's been good, you know, topic conversation. So it's obviously we're almost at our moment. Is there anything you want to leave by saying before we get onto the beer? Other than that fish is awesome and you should only listen to fish when you go to fish shows and the only thing you ever listen to is fish and you don't listen to any other music but fish. <laughs> Which is totally bullshit. <laughs> You have like one of the most eclectic. I listen to covers that Fish does. <laughs> yeah, but you have you are all right. So for the viewers or the listeners, I'm sorry because you can't see us. <laughs> um, again, because of the way I got into music and because of the way that I was brought up, I have these pockets of things that I know really well. Um, my dad was super into Motown, super into uh, the Beach Boys and uh, the Beatles and typical like older generation pop music basically so i came at music from that uh, lens and listened to a lot of z100 growing up in the tri-state area so i kind of didn't have a really awesome exposure to different types of music i say things like i didn't hear acdc until i was in high school and people are like what and then i say things like i didn't know who freddie mercury was until like my senior year of high school and people are like shut the fuck up <laughs> and then I say things, and like again, I'm just going down the classic rock. Like I didn't. <laughs> so where the story is going is, uh, Melissa and I are driving up to Vermont to go taste a bunch of awesome beers, and uh, you're super into punk music. It was Portland, Maine, but yeah. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Uh, and <laughs> you're just naming, dude. I mean, naming these punk bands that I feel like any human being would know. Just because of their popularity, and I'm like, no. It wasn't just punk. Yeah. You're thinking of the Clash yep. that I made you listen to, but there was also like, like art rock. Like I made you listen to Brian Eno, and and fucking you didn't even know who that was. I made yeah. you listen to David Byrne solo stuff. Yeah. And then I kind of ran away with the David Bowie. Yep. They're just they're a bunch things of stuff that, that I just never. Yeah, they're just yeah. It, they're like the classics, man. Yeah, like, never exposed to it. And it's silly. And again, I told the story of the woman being mad at me at the Halloween show for not knowing that she was wearing a Jerry Garcia shirt and thinking that it was a shocker symbol. <laughs> so it's, it's just interesting how people find music and discover music for themselves and where their palettes have to be in order for them to really understand and appreciate different types of music. And I can definitely say, and this is, I guess, how we'll end this fish segment is by saying that fish is amazing because of the universality that they have across their fans so again like i was saying before the person who only listens to bluegrass likes the same band as me who really only like them for their funk as the same person who only likes them for their pop shit as the same person who only likes them for their rock shit and it's the same type of person who likes their old man grateful daddy sound that's coming out more prevalently now but they can do all of it 
And that's something that uh, that's unique to them and that no other band can really do. When a band comes out and a band gets famous, they stick to the genre that they stick to. They get typecasted almost the way an actor would in a movie or for certain roles. And they stay in that genre forever. And Fish has found a way to supersede the bullshit labels that people put on their music and to stick and hang with anybody in any genre of any kind. And I think that's why we end up loving their covers so much because they can cover such a diverse range of music. And I've seen it, I mean, I've seen it in waves and waves and will gladly continue to watch it. Agreed. But yeah. So uh, I guess we're just going to take this over to uh, Ooh. same show. Uh, she just stuck a cover in there, man. We're going to go to the same show. We're going to go to the song that neither one of you or I know about. And we're going to let that play for this set break. So we're going to... Oh, I know this song. What's the name of this song? Bug. This is Bug. Oh, it doesn't matter. I actually do know this song. Fuck me. Oh, <laughs> yeah. They say Bug. Right? Is that their screaming? No. Whoa. It doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah but they don't, they don't sing whoa. They're singing a, a word. Oh, fuck if like, I know. Bug. Uh, probably. It doesn't if, matter. If not, J J three PO will rant about it in the next episode. So cool. So here's Bug. <laughs> See you guys after this short fifteen minute break. Uh... Does it matter to 
I'm Lizzo. And I'm the kid. And we're moving on to beer. Yeah. I've been drinking beer this whole episode, but now we're going to talk about it. All right. So today's day one of my beer edumacation. I've been figuring it out as I go along for the longest, but it's time to round out my edumacation. I'm that kid who only went to gym class, kept skipping math and, and language arts. Now I don't read good or add numbers well. Cool. So you don't like pilsners. Nope. And I am trying to get you to expand your palate a little bit to try more pilsners. Yeah. And to kind of maybe understand the importance of Pilsners. Yeah. Can I give you an interesting side fact? So when you type Pilsner into the B, how do we say, how do you say BJ? BJCP, Beer Judge Certification Program Guidelines. Yeah. So here's what- Everyone should download this app. If you're into beer, yeah. download it on your device. Yeah, I have in order to get ready for my edumacation. Um, it's so handy. It just gives you a style description of every beer and gives you commercial examples. Yeah, and it's great to have if you're a home brewer and you're submitting beer to a homebrewers association or anything like that because you actually have to classify your beer whether you want to or not. And um, it's just, you know, the, the, the parameters that they're going to be using to judge your beer anyway, so it's good to know what uh, you're going to be critiqued on. But when you put Pilsner into this app, uh, the subsections that come up are Czech style lager, Pale Multi European Lager, Pale Bitter European Lager, Amber Bitter European Lager, Dark European Lager, German Wheat Beer, European Sour Ale, Belgian Ale, Strong Belgian Ale, Tapest Ale, and Historic Beer. The subgroup of that is a Goza. So like, what's going on? Because that sounds like not what we're trying to talk about here and crazy. Like, are those all technically Pilsners? Or are they just kind of... They're all loggers. They're all... Uh, duh. A pilsner <laughs> is a logger. Yes. But like... Uh, of a, and I've seen those posters where they subdivide styles and they subdivide them and subdivide them and subdivide them. Best one I ever saw actually just did it regionally. So it obviously... Or I mean, geographically is the better way to say it. So it's like Germany had its own section. Belgium has its own section. UK has its own section. And then we have our own section. Um, so the thing about lager styles is they can be pale or they can be like amber and dark right right so the 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 there's so much of a spectrum to that because it has to cover so many different type of styles of lager right and let's start from the true basics so from what i understand from a homebrewer's perspective is a lager and an ale and the difference between a lager and an ale being that a lager ferments at lower temperatures, um, way more clean, and ales are everything else. <laughs> so we're in the lager category. It's, and then it's more important. Yeah. Okay. What you said is like what they teach you in quote unquote school, but it's kind of not true because there really isn't top and bottom fermenting yeast anymore. Right. It's about the conditioning temperatures. Right. Lagers are conditioned at cold temperatures, are fermented at cold temperatures, and lagers were traditionally quote unquote lagered or laid down to rest the beer in caves and cold caves under the ground right that's and, what germans and did. that's why when you see lagering tanks when you're at a brewery they lay on their sides as we would understand it to be instead of standing upright and that's a, an attempt to to also get at the more traditional way of brewing it is that correct i don't know why uh lager fermenters are long 
Uh, they're always set I on think their it's sides. just I think it's just because it, there are more there's more surface area there and the beer can be colder and all evenly chilled. I don't know. I really have no idea. Don't quote me on that. Um, I have no fucking clue. Would would the other thing to be assumed if we're looking at it more traditionally is that because um, lagers are fermented at lower temperatures, the yeast drops more towards the bottom, so there are lower flocculating yeast if that did still exist, as opposed to ales where the yeast is staying more suspended middle suspension and again i told you yeast is irrelevant right i'm saying if it were i'm just you know irrelevant it's about okay the temperature at which something is fermented and that's where we get the word lager from because those beers were lagered got it all right cool you know and i wanted to take a look at just a bit of it today pilsners is all we're going to be talking about pilsners right Pilsners. So, like, no Vienna lagers, no Oktoberfest, no Schwartz beers, like, none of that. That's all, like, amber to dark. We're literally just looking at Pilsners. So, let's talk about color for a second. So, a Pilsner... Pilsners are light. They're all light. What's SRM? Two or less? That's a really good question. I hate talking about SRM. No one gives a shit about it. I'm They're a brewer. Light. Yeah, I'm yes. a home brewer, okay, so, so look that's it up. super no important. Clue. I was going to say, that's a, that's a very important thing. Um, let's see. So I am in G B J. God, I'm never going to be able to say it. I'm sorry. Um, but I'm going to look at German Pilsners. If that's okay with you. Uh, sensei. Liza sensei. <laughs> um, so SRM is two to five. So yeah, straw color, anywhere from straw to like, kind of like red heady. Right. <laughs> ABV is from 4.4% to 5.2%. So that puts the original gravity anywhere from 1.044 to 1.050 to the final gravity being to 1.008 to 1.013. Yeah, man. So there's there's a couple of just basic styles to note when we're talking about the pale European lagers. There's Pilsners, and those are divided into Bohemian and German-style Pilsners. And that's the hardest fucking thing when you're taking your Cicerone to be able to determine the difference between a German <laughs> and a Bohemian-style Pilsner. It's well, very hard. Are, so it's, Bohe- it's very hard. Is Bohemian understood to be Belgian-style Pilsners? Like, Belgian like area, and then... Uh, German. I mean, I, I'm. I'm, ju- the f- I'm so the I'm first, the first pilsner ever brewed was in uh, November 11th, 1842, in the town of Pilsen. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and it was Pilsner or Kell. Okay. And, Which and we the, have And here the birth right of now. this style, yeah. we can try. I would love for you to try this beer. Okay. The birth of this style came out of the fact that this town was brewing ales. And their water was so amazing. It was so soft. They were brewing ales with hops that were gorgeous because the hops were being highlighted because of the soft water. And then they hired a German brewmaster. He brought the lager with him. And then kind of the Pilsner was born. Got it. And they're, they're, uh, they're known for using more hops than any other sort of Pilsner style. Czech style Pilsners. Bohemian style Pilsners, yes. Bohemian style Pilsners. Same. So Czech, yeah, I was Czech, say, and, Czech, Bohemian Czech and Bohemian are interchangeable. They're interchangeable. Bohemia? Yeah, Bohemia. So it Bohemia and Czech style and all that still falls outside of Belgian style, correct? Am I wrong? Or is that kind of scooped up in there too and kind of mashed in there sometimes? They're just European style Pilsners. Belgian isn't a thing. Belgium does Trappist beers. Okay. 
The real the real two like broad stroke Pilsner styles are German and Czech. Got it. And they're different. And typically they're different because um German Pilsners are lighter bodied and lighter colored compared to a Bohemian Pilsner. They're still really hoppy, but Bohemians are a little bit more hoppy. And then the German ones are traditionally a little bit more amber. Mm. So if you saw like two Pilsners in a glass next to each other and one was like a little more strong and the other was a little more amber, chances are the amber one's going to be a German style. Okay. And how would you, because you're saying they're really hard to discern from each other, like what are the profiles of them? Like how, how are they like slightly different? Because like to me, if I had to assume. Let's read. Let's read. These are like thumbnail, like, you know. I'm going to give you all like the baseline info. This is like boring stuff, stuff you'd like read off a slide or put on a, you know, yeah, 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 a yeah, card, yeah. a card. Okay. German Pilsners. They're hoppy straw colored lagers. Alcohol is normal. 4.4 to 5.2 ABV, 2.5, SRM and 25 to 45 IBU. Okay. That sounds like a Budweiser to me. Their flavor and balance, flowery, perfumey hops dominate the aroma and flavor, crisp finish from the bitterness, some bread-like on the palate, malt flavor is not uncommon. Oh, that's not Budweiser. Budweiser tastes like corn. Corn. Corn, corn. And then a Bohemian Pilsner is the original Pilsner. Uh It's golden lager from the Czech Republic, town of Pilsen. It's generally darker and more malty than a German Pilsner. Oh, so I had those backwards. Okay. The Bohemian Pilsner is generally darker and more, malt- more malty than a German Pilsner. I don't agree with that. With a similar level of aroma, flavor, and bitterness, it's related to a German-style Pilsner. Again, see, this is really fucking hard. I took this test in 2010, and it's now 2017. I took my <laughs> Cicerone seven years ago. Yeah. And a lot of this knowledge has since. Yeah, in and out. So I, I guess for me, uh, I mean, I, we do have a Pilsner Arkell in front of us right now. Um, Let's drink it. I'm also, <laughs> you're making fun of me. So I go to the bodega because we're in New York City and bodegas are fucking awesome. Uh, and <laughs> I go there because the the supermarket by me doesn't have Pilsner Arkell. And I'm like, ah, what are the chances that the fucking bodega is, is actually going to have it? So I walk in, I walk to the back and the beer cooler uh they had like a bunch of like uh, uh j3vo and i call them mortar shells but the 24 ounce cans and obviously budweiser's there core heavy which i rarely see in, especially in a bodega is there and um i immediately grabbed the budweiser because to me that's the american style uh pilsner and then i grab a stella artois uh, which is a Belgian-style Pilsner. And then I grab the Pilsner Arkell, which is obviously the Pilsner of all Pilsners. And then last, uh, we got the uh, tip Tipopolis. Did I say that? Hip-Hop Anonymous? Heap? Heap, tip, tip, top? So much of what you just said is wrong. Tip, topolis? Let's try Pilsner What did I say that was wrong? No, call me out. What did I say wrong? Is a Stella Artois not a Belgian style Pilsner? And I have no fucking clue what a Stella Artois. Yeah, look it up on BJCP. I'm tasting this Pilsner color right now. See, okay. that's like straw color. Yeah, it's pretty. It's darker than than like gold and like straw. I wouldn't just describe it as either. Um, <laughs> I've never looked up Stella Artois. 
their commercials for a little while were so fucking ridiculous. Like some guy looks outside and looks up to the sky and sees a star. Still Artois born. <laughs> Stellar Artois is a Belgian pilsner between 4.8 and 5.2 ABV. ABV. It's the first um, Artois brewery in Leuven, Belgium in 1926. Oh, hmm. uh, yeah. So it is a Belgian-style pilsner. So I can say I started off this episode drinking a Budweiser, Bud Heavy. So I had an American Pilsner. Now I'm drinking that's a this. lager. Damn it. But Pilsners are a lager, so I guess technically that's correct. It's in like an adjunct lager. Yeah, American. Yeah, okay. Yep. But it is American, yep. So if I so no, this brings up a good uh topic. If I had to pick an American style Pilsner, what would you say that is? Because I would imagine that all the macro brew stuff, the Budweiser, the Miller Light, the Mi- I'm sorry, Miller High Life, um, Coors Heavy. All those beers are adjunct lagers. So what does one like think of when they think of an American Pilsner? I know Lagunitas has a Czech style pills. It's Czech style. So Americans make versions of either a Czech style Pilsner or a German style Pilsner. And that's the difference. You have to taste those and you can also find out that way. Okay, cool. So I'm having a Belgian style Pilsner right now. I guess I should have a sip of that uh, Pilsner Arkell and try to place the difference. Oh man, I like Pilsner so Arkell. Different. Yeah, it's not. It, Pilsner Arkell has this like funk to it at the end. The also the beginning of it is like way cleaner. Like I can actually taste taste the grain, build a little bit in Stella Artois. It's still like very like smooth and clean, but like this is like almost sharp, if that makes any sense. And like kind of like the beginning of it is kind of peppery to me. Does that make any sense? Yeah, it's because they they use soft water. And everything is like detectable when you use software. Like the hops are more present, like that slight, like crackery, yeah, like so grainy let's, note. Let's talk about water because water is super important and something that's really hard to control as a brewer. Uh, well, not a, a commercial brewer, but a home brewer. Um, water is one of those things that for me as a New Yorker, I have to like try to find something on the internet that tells us what's coming out of our faucet. And it's like some sort of guide that is printed like once every 10 years. <laughs> you have no, to like. No, that's not true. You can call any time. You can call any time, but they're going to read to you from the guide that was printed at a specific time. And I think the last one came out, I want to say it was 2016. So it's now 2018. And I was just moving into my new apartment where I live now. And I, you know, got all my own brew equipment and I was like, let me start figuring out how to treat my water specifically. And the reason that was is because I wanted to know the chlorine content in the water because chlorine I knew at that time specifically had to do with phenols that were going to be produced when the yeast interact with the chlorine. So that's where like my, so that's where my like interest into treating water came from so i actually don't know the difference between hard water and soft water because i've only ever been in the tri-state area and i believe we have hard water it's the different minerals that exist within the water that make it hard or soft but exactly so if i have nothing but hard water hard hard water has high calcium carbonate right 
And that's why when you try to make a, a hoppy beer with hard water, it tastes soapy. Huh. So you have to treat your water like to, to, the, to the water that mirrors this Pilsner Kell level water, soft water. Right. Low alkalinity. And then you get a nice, beautiful, floral, hoppy Right, flavor. but you do that by adding things like gypsum salt. So it's like, it's, it's interesting. Correct, that correct, like correct. Soft water has a low mineral content. That's why you want to use soft water to brew lighter beers, lighter hoppy beers, and you can use harder water to brew maltier beers. Fun fact, I know the reason why we have the best bagels and pizza in the world is because our water is hard and it impacts the flour differently than soft water. We have flavor to our water. Water. Have you ever eaten a bagel outside of New York? It's disgusting. It's gross. It has no flavor. It's not even that. It doesn't have the texture. Yeah. It doesn't have that like that. It doesn't have that like rubbery texture. It's literally like bread that people form into a bagel shape. Yeah, but again, this all goes back to water. I honestly, water aside from yeast, and I don't really know anything about like you know biology or anything. I've tried to read that yeast book a million times, and I can't. I probably never will. Talking about there are four books. I forget who publishes them, but there's a. Grains, Grain, water, water, hops, hops and, yeast. and yeast. And I purchased many of them for you. Um, the <laughs> water one. the wa- Yeah, I know, man. That's why you don't know anything about music. You can read a music history book. J3PO got me the fish book for my freaking birthday. I've opened it twice to look at the pictures. I've never read a single word. And <laughs> I just, um, that's not me, man. That's why like learning, le- learning stuff from a bigger perspective is really complicated because, or not complicated, it's pretty straightforward. But for someone like me where I don't like to read and I like to learn through living, like, I don't know how to do, th- like, do that. It's just not a thing. You have to read books and do whatever. Tr- yeah, you can't transport yourself back to fucking the first day that a Pilsner was invented. You can't do that, so you have to read about that. I know. I'd rather just do what we're doing. I, I've drank three lagers today, two of which are Pilsners. I'm about to bring a Tapiolis, Tapa, Tapapulis, Tapa, how do you say it? Oh, Tapapulis. Tipo Pills. Tipo Pills. So the the difference, the people people don't typically uh, give loggers and pils- pilsners credit where credit is due. People who produce loggers and pilsners, uh, Germans this is again very topical, care about making something so perfect and just continually refining it, refining it, refining it, refining it, studying it, studying it, studying it to make a really good Pilsner or lager is insanely hard. It is one of the hardest things you can do as a brewer. There's nowhere to hide. There's yeah, nothing to do. There's, yeah, any so little mistake it, it requires like such front, a yeah. high level of understand not, understanding not only chemistry, biology, water, yeast, hops. Grains. It's just, it, it requires so much studying that I think if you think about that every time you drink a Pilsner or a lager and you're like, oh, this is boring. Yeah, this is this. You think about the history and the tradition and all the research that went into perfecting that. Yeah, but funny enough, I also think you you're onto something here. Like because there's so little uh, masking of of mistakes because you don't have this robust grain bill or this crazy yeast that's gonna hide off flavors or you know things. I think what makes them hard to approach is that if they're not clean. I don't want to drink it. And that's the problem is that like what someone might consider clean is different to somebody else. So my little problem with drinking these styles of beer and thinking that lagers 
as a grandiose, you know, umbrella of styles tastes like pennies or like funky or like whatever to me, like that sensitivity or, you know, that, that, that type of taste might not be something that I want. So the, the thing that comes to mind when I think of uh, a Pilsner is freaking, um, other than uh Pilsner Arkell, and I don't even know if it's a fucking Pilsner, it's fucking uh, Heineken. Like those two beers, Pilsner Arkell and Heineken are similar to me because at the finish of the beer, it has this weird funk about it. And the weird funk about it, some people love. You know, my uncle used to drink freaking Heineken all the time. It was the beer that he loved to drink. And I, I, I couldn't do it because at the end, it feels like someone's punching me in my tongue if that were possible. And then just leaving me with this foul taste. But if you've grown... Lagers are all about the balance between hops and malts. Lager yeast, you're looking to impart as little flavor to the beer as possible. So again, it's all about that fine line of having the balance between hops and malts and they're only using four ingredients water right. hops yeast malts so what's the funk at the end is that just the that's just the phenols from the yeast that's just the the, the, the byproduct yes so i mean if and you- also degradation of hops Mo- lagers are the most mismanaged sold beers and that most of them come in green bottles which is horrible you yeah. get hop degradation. You get off flavors that when the hops start to break down, they start to give off nasty off flavors inside that beer. Huh. That's gross. So again, this is a great segue into Tipo Pills. This is actually brewed by an Italian brewery. I want to say the name right. I know what it is. I just want to look at it so I can say the name right. It's like Birafica Italiano, I think. Birafico Italiano. Yes. So they're an Italian brewery that does a ton of crazy shit, like crazy shit. But they brew this beer called Tipo Pils, and it is a Pilsner brew with German yeast. And it's their ode to, I think, kind of Pilsner or Kel. And this beer is brewed in Italy, filled in, in vats, tankards, cold conditioned and as it's being shipped this over is after here. after the boil. So they, they, they've done everything they need to do. They've made their beer all the way through haven't fermented it yet or what yeah i'm wrong trying, okay yeah yeah give me where beer's brewed in italy okay so it's brewed completely cool and then they don't ki- force kill the yeast which is what all fucking giant loggers do Pasteurize, it continues yeah. to logger in the tanks being shipped over here in cold storage got it and then it's shipped to importers here and dry hopped here interesting cold shipped in a tankard container dry hopped and canned fresh here in america interesting and the importers do a really good job about only selling this beer when it's super fresh um i can say that i'm looking at this can right now and i don't see a bottled uh bottle date date? or a, a can on date or a sell by date and i don't know um if that's just because they don't have to because they're that like crazy on it that they know where it's at but um i don't know as a as a consumer i i, I like to always buy into that as much as you're, you you're it wrong me. it says okay. very big and in silver this beer if kept cold and away from sunlight is best enjoyed within five months from canning don't let its aroma wither drink it at the right moment and what's the date it doesn't say when it's canned. So ah. I guess you have a, I guess you have a, Basically, you know, this beer is a five-month shelf life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I mean, if they really care, they should 
fucking put a massive slap on it and say what day it was done. I mean, I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm missing something. There's fine print that I'm not looking. I don't know. <sighs> I love this beer. Yeah, this beer honestly is is really good. I for someone who doesn't like this uh, beer is pilsners. an education in what a good pilsner can be. Yeah, it's like bitter in the right ways that help me get over. I don't taste <laughs> any pennies. I got zero pennies on this beer. And it's just, it's bitter. It's a little bitter for me, not going to lie, especially up front. If a beer, the first second I I drink it, I get like these tingling sensation under the, the bags under my eyes, like right where my cheeks start. Yeah. I'm kind of put off. And that's where beer starts getting too hoppy for me. It's that like burning, itching, almost like I snorted peppercorn um, type feeling. That's where I'm just like, ah. And then the second part I go to is like feeling kind of thirsty and like it's almost like making me want water. This beer kind of does that, but it's not in a bad way. It's like in a very like intriguing, like I want to keep drinking it type of way. So it's like if someone managed to put just enough salt in water that I constantly wanted to drink said water, which kind of makes me scared because that means I could go probably through a, you know, a six pack of this very quickly. Um you know, watching a baseball game or a football game, this would be gone. It's not sold as a six pack. Uh, it should be. I sold mean, as a, a single can. Uh, you got me. They got me this per can. Expensive. I was going to say they got me the, per can. The shipping costs it takes to get over to the United States. I will not say where States, I purchased expensive. this beer in New York City, but I will That's say. What you paid for that is standard. You $7. Can't find it. You can't find anything cheaper than that. $7 for this can of beer. And I don't know that I would do that often. And especially knowing that I, I, I like... See, that's crazy to me because I just went through the whole thing about telling you how all lagers are basically in green bottles, which degradate the style. This perfectly, perfectly preserves this beer when it's canned, and this is the way that a true Pilsner should taste. But now, so now we get to an interesting point about drinking beer, and this is this should not end here, this conversation. It should only um, Drinking fresh beer. Not drinking fresh beer. Affordability of beer. And we have a bunch of breweries around here that are selling cans uh, for or 16 or what is it? A four pack for $16. So that's a 16 food ounce can. That's. What is that? Four, eight. That's, that's four dollars a can. So like this is almost double that. And it's eight ounces of liquid. Local beers. Who sell four pack sixteen ounce cans have to sell them for fourteen to sixteen dollars a pop because they use so many hops. It's only cost effective to charge a lot of money for them. Most of our Brooklyn, Long Island City, Astoria, most of our borough breweries that exist, other half, they all dry hop or double dry hop their beers. Do you know how much money that costs? A lot. <laughs> Oh, I know. Even I if you have hop contracts and get hops in massive amounts, I would say if D- I don't dry hopping and double dry hopping is a lot. If of I hops. don't, if I don't double, uh, if I don't dry hop, period, a beer costs me as a home brewer to make five gallons about fifty dollars. If I have to double, if I have to dry hop or double dry hop or do any dry hopping, that beer immediately shoots up to about seventy dollars a batch. So yeah, that extra twenty bucks. Just for hops, it's a little crazy. Can I walk you through tasting something? Yeah, yeah. Tasting an off flavor. So DMS occurs when you use pale malts in a beer. Pale malts, got right. it. Right. It's just the age and the quality at which you store your pale malts before brewing. Pilsner or Kel is actually 
it says in the BJCP, it is a beer that is technically allowed some trace amounts of DMS to be acceptable for the style. Okay. Do you know what DMS is? Yes. Do you know what the f- off flavor tastes like? In the green, uh, no. Wrong. That's mm. seed aldehyde. Damn it. Um, we'll go over this in another podcast episode. Man, yeah, yeah, this off. is great. We should just fucking sell these to whatever. I just fucked <laughs> up all the shit I was talking about too because I haven't looked at this in like seven years. But sorry for offending anybody. I do know the difference between Bohemian and German style Pilsner. It's tough. Yeah, it's it's a refresher for you. It's a re- this is why it's interesting because it's you're great. teaching me. Any, and so, I'm but anyway, you taste taste it. this Pilsner or Cal, right? Okay. Please taste this Pilsner or Cal. Okay. Swish it around in your mouth. Okay. Get get the taste of it. Okay. So do that first, and then taste the tipo. Yeah. Okay. I've had enough of this today. This snobbishery. Snobbery. Okay. Now taste the tipo. Okay. <laughs> Granted, one is a Czech style, one is a B- German style, but ca- now can you taste? <laughs> DMS in the Pilsner Cal. Uh the Tipo's really clean mm-hmm. <coughs> and really like awesomely happy. Take a tiny bit, swish it around in your mouth like like mouthwash. Don't do what you did, like a be a fucking snob asshole. See, go back and forth, back and forth. Doesn't that taste like popcorn now to you? DMS is cream corn, popcorn. Um, you don't get slight no, detection notes of that? I can't. Honestly, like, they're both just so not attuned to my palate that they both just taste bad. <laughs> <laughs> Do you it, get that Tipo is more gentle? Yes, and clean. And subtle and clean. soft. Super clean and right. still has this bitterness to it. I can get that it's dry hopped. It's right, like, yeah, which yeah. is which is unique for the style because traditionally, Bohemian-style Pilsners are supposed to reflect that and German-style Pilsners Pilsners are supposed to be more harsh, more bitter, more like harsh and dry and arid on the finish. So this is a a atypical German style Pilsner that's being brewed by Italians. Right. And this is closer to a Czech style Pilsner, which is why I wanted to drink this next to the Pilsner or Kelp, because even they though they use German yeast, this is closer to the beautiful, soft, subtle, cottony, airy, delicate flavors you get from a bohemian style pilsner got it check style pilsner interesting and that's what makes this beer unique people have preconceived preconceived notions of what a german style pilsner is supposed to taste like and because this is brewed so fresh so clean so perfectly i think that this could change the way people think about german style pilsners Hmm. well i don't think it can change my perception of pilsners because i think pilsners are But I'm if glad you I saw this can more. of Tipo pills in a cooler after drinking it, would you go for it? Over a the Pilsner Kell and the Stella Artois, the two other beers on this table yes. right now. Yes. Yeah. All right. Great. Someone won in this contest. I wasn't trying. I just, I, <laughs> I, I honestly, just the baseline of what I wanted to do is show you a really well brewed beer. And I think a that fresh was beer, done. a well brewed beer, and yeah. kind of how just being very meticulous and attention to detail you can come up with an amazing beer yeah uh i mean i think i truthfully think as a home brewer that you can make any style of beer that someone who would uh typically not like that style you can make it in a way that they would love it 
So I think finding uh, the understanding in that is either pairing it right or figuring out what you can do to make someone appreciate something they would not normally drink. I would bet, I would put a lot of fucking money on it too, that you could serve me this with an awesome bite of something that would blow my fucking brain up. And I would just be like, oh, my God, this is a Martian This is monster. my favorite this game. Is a, this is my favorite game. So what yeah. what food would you pair with this depot? Ooh. Ooh. Um, probably like a pickled salmon. Ew, that's weird. No, it's not. Oof. Like a cherry wine pickled salmon. I know exactly what I'd serve for this. Soft ripened cheese. Okay. With a little bowl of roasted barley, and you what take the, the soft, the soft ripened cheese, dip it in the roasted barley, eat it, so you have that fatty, creamy, beautiful texture with uh-huh. the pops from the roasted barley, and then you wash it all down with this. Okay. <laughs> I don't know what that is in my mouth, but Whoa, okay. Oh boy. Pause. That's what she said. What? <laughs> I feel like what I just said was super snobbish, but. No, I bet so it's better than uh, uh, wine, uh, cherry wine, pickled salmon. When you have a very light, delicate beer that's nicely carbonated, it's nice to pair it with a fattier, richer, creamier something so that after you take a bite of that, you have the beer to drink and then scrub your palate clean and then get ready for another bite of right, but am I, the fatty uh, that Am I have. wrong to think that like when I want something like that, I want something that's slightly like tropically hopped? Because no the bitterness, way. the bitterness and like the 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 smell kind of also wipe away the memory of the thing that I was eating before it. You get what I'm saying? Like when I when when you say that something wipes my palate clean that means that it's it's also equally powerful enough, like ginger with sushi. No, where like yeah, it, it uh, like it like it kind of cuts and gets rid of. Right, but that's acid. I'm talking about carbonation. Right. I'm talking about the actual bubbles scraping your tongue clean. Right, but in the same way that ginger is acidic, but ginger also has this strong flavor. I'm thinking of like when you eat uh like mackerel, like that's super fishy and right. has that like really intense potent flavor the reason why the ginger cuts it is because it's more powerful and it just kind of wipes you clean right but the, the mackerel would overpower this beer you're looking for the balance one of the rules in pairing beer with food is match strength to strength okay okay yeah 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 that's interesting so again this is a very light beer right so light and always light in color light in abv light in ibu uh-huh. it's light so you want to pair it with something semi-delicate Right, huh. you don't want to pair it with something really heavy-handed, so, as opposed to like a stout that can stand up to like a chocolate cake <laughs> or a steak. You want to match strength with strength. So That's I want a pairing butter. Rule. You want butter? <laughs> You're gonna eat a fucking <laughs> stick of butter. What what beer would you pair with that? With barley this. wine. A barley wine. Uh, okay. It's buttery <laughs> okay. and high in ABV. Okay. See, look at that. What about shit. cheddar? Cheddar again. It's like you do a a a, a uh, English style uh, amber. Okay. So like something or like a nut brown, like a nutty brown. Okay. I told you cheddar, right? And nut browns go together like fucking. Uh, they they're supposed to go together because it makes you think of a grilled cheese. Got it. So think about that cheddar with a nutty brown ale. Got it. The two flavors in your mouth make fucking bing. 
so a light go, go off in your head and turn it into grilled cheese. All right. That's the best pairing. All right. What if I go backwards? What if I say celery? What do you pair that with? <laughs> a goza. Salt. Something salty. But aren't they Because so- what do you have to put on celery to make it taste like anything? Salt. Something. Celery tastes like nothing. It's water. Huh. I like where this conversation is going and I'm excited to continue to have it. I think this is, again, as someone This is my who, favorite thing. It's like doing a Rubik's Cube in my brain. Yeah, but beer like and for food. someone who, again, my goal with beer is to create the perfect bite. And when I say perfect bite, I don't just mean taking a bite of something. I mean pairing it with the perfect sip that's going to go along yeah. with it. I think it's it's stupid to only think of the beer side part of it. So maybe as we go forward with this Cicerone training for me, um, if we could start thinking about the food pairing along with it in parallel. So maybe next episode we, we as we're talking about Eat the a things. Eat uh, Yeah. Start, Great. Start like kind of. And simple things. We can post things. the recipe too. Yeah, yeah. Simple things. Yeah, we'll do that for people so they can have the same experience. You know, if we yeah, come in the next great. episode and we do one thing, we'll be like, well, you know, this is one element and then maybe this is a composed element. So maybe this is the thing that you should eat with it that's going to help exemplify the, the, the style. But then if you want to put a full bite together, um, that's what that would look like. So in the same... If we were talking about a nut brown ale, we could say a, a slice of cheddar, or we could say make a fucking uh, make a, um, a truffle salted fucking honey glazed fucking grilled cheese. I don't know. I'm being bougie now. Um, but yeah, I like where your head's at. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to take us out on October 31st, 2014. This is. my Halloween set that defines fish for me and I'm going to pick a song that I can't remember from the set which is called The Chinese Water Torture. Cheers guys. Thanks for joining us on this episode of God Brew. I'm Eliza. And I'm the kid. And we will see you next time. of simple and yet effective methods of torture. One of their most famous is the water method. Whenever they had a prisoner with information who would not speak, they would tie him prone on a table and gently drip single droplets of water upon his forehead until he spoke. It never failed. This way...
be saying. I'm not even Chinese.